Alright, here today, as you already know who it is, it's the host, Princess, some of y'all know me as P. Uh, today's podcast, we have my Auntie Blondie, for some of y'all who know her, Sabrina, Breezy, whatever y'all call her, she got a million nicknames. Um, today, I have the pleasure of having a, a simple conversation with her about her referee journey and her overall life. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> hello, hello. So for y'all that don't know, this is my aunt, this is my mom's sister. Um well she like she this the person who got me into basketball, softball, sure pretty much all the sports. Um got me on the road, taught me how to play defense, talked a lot of shit when mm-hmm. I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> My auntie, that defense ain't working. Yes, it is. Your man ain't getting the ball, is she? Hey, she was always there, always the rider to make sure we got whatever we needed when we was younger. Um, so this conversation is just pretty much about her and who she is and, you know, how she got to where she got. Um, so I just want to talk about, like, just you growing up. Like, growing up with both parents in the house, watching your dad, like, hustle, grind, do all that, how that inspire you to be the woman that you are today? Well, he he was a hustler and he was a jack of all trades, a master of none. And he struggled with education, but he can build, he can do anything. He can he can he was able to do certain stuff that you didn't think that he would be able to do, like break down a car or build a, a build a say a storage shed and make it look like a house put shelves in it. He had his own lawn business. He did his own um, paperwork, books. He got out there and he grinded. He hustled. And even when he couldn't do the lawn service or hustle as much anymore, then he made a business on wheels with the golf cart where he sold his his little candy, his his big blows because that was a hit. And then he um, came into doing peanuts. He had a friend named Mr. Kirkwood out of Delray Beach mm-hmm. that got him into, to introduce him into peanuts. Yeah. So he got a machine and he started selling the peanuts at the um, baseball field. So when he wasn't playing, he was pushing his peanuts. And then he started doing the boiled peanuts, which became a hit. Yeah. So he just he just started doing different things. So And then even when um, my mother would make comforters, she would have let him take the comforters on the go-kart. So he would sell comforters as well on the go-kart. Hey, that's crazy. Hey, yeah. y'all already know who it is, Peanut Man, man. Yeah, so um, so watching that, seeing him do that, you know, how did that mold you as, like, like being a hustler that you are, the woman that you are? It, it, it made me a natural hustle, hustler because it just came natural. Yeah. So I always try to do more. Yeah. You yeah. know, for my family and for me. Yeah. So, and that just something that happened over time yeah. and it, it got me started into football because when I started with football all I wanted to do was Friday night lights mm-hmm. so with my first my first husband Jerome he was like come on let's go do some refereeing it, it allowed us to have time together and then time with the, with the kids with us at the field mm-hmm. so when she say football guys she's talking about refereeing she's she's a referee um but that's the same thing for me too because my granddad, which is her dad, like I watched him hustle, like on the cane till he died, hustle 
to like make sure mm -hmm. we pretty much had everything we had. So that's where I get my hustle from as well. And from also watching her hustle to provide for us as well. Um, so it, it definitely comes naturally. Um, so you said you got two kids. Well, technically. Three. You, six. You got, you got three. But technically you got, yeah, six. Yeah. <laughs> so that's including me and my two siblings. Um, for those of you who don't know, she lost her sister, which is my mom, in 2005. Um, and she took on the responsibility of being the parent, the mom. Uh, and we grateful for that, obviously. Um, but refereeing, how did you officially get into refereeing? Like, why, why was that? Why was that something that you were interested in? Because at the time that I was married, mm -hmm. it gave us an, um, an opportunity to spend time together. Okay. So it, the quality time at that time when Josh and Sabrina was small, mm -hmm. it gave it, it allowed us to be together mm -hmm. um, for quality time. And then after we were finished refereeing, we would go out to eat. Okay. So, and we just continued it. And I can remember I was doing a playoff game in Miami and I hadn't really perfected the craft. I was just out there. Mm -hmm. I was winging it. Mm -hmm. And then I had a play to my side because being a female, and I think I was at that time I was like one of five mm -hmm. females. And they ran a play to my side where they had the inside receiver covered up. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. So I waited. Mm -hmm. And the inside receiver and the outside receiver went down for a pass. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, that's an ineligible downfield. And I threw the flag and the guy scored. So the coach was fussing and cussing, and I'm like, Coach, now you know that's not right. And when I explained it to him, mm -hmm. he was like, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. Okay. So he knew, but he tried me because right. he, he thought I didn't know. Right. And I really didn't, right. but I knew that. Right. And, at that time, and when I did that, it made me want to perfect my craft mm -hmm. when it came to knowing the rules, um, working on my mechanics, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and staying in shape. That's what's up. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it, cause as as a lot of us might not know, like refereeing is a a male dominant world. Um, so she's definitely I'm gonna say a top woman referee. Um, for those who don't know, uh, how do you stand out in a world that's dominated by men though? Being a being a woman. Yeah. Well. Back then, because there were so so few mm -hmm. of us, you really you you stood out. Yeah. So because it was not a whole lot of women mm -hmm. back then, um, it was hard to not know that you were a woman okay. because of your figure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they knew they knew it, but you just had to you had to earn the respect. So I you the, earn respect though by knowing what you're talking about when the coaches come at you. Facts. Yeah. By Facts. knowing what you're talking about. Because being a female referee and being a female referee of color, mm -hmm. you have no fans. Everybody's against you. Right. Even even the women. Right. I I take I take that back. The um, the other people. Mm -hmm. They were the other women mm -hmm. of not color. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you to be politically correct. Mm -hmm. White women. Yeah. You have I have more support with the white women. Than I did with my own color. Yeah. They be like, "Hey, Sabrina, you go, girl, girl power." Yeah. Black women look at me and roll her eyes. One lady called me a bulldagger, and I'm like, "Lady, you don't even know me." Right. Because I'm out here with a bunch of men. 
You you think I'm a bulldagger? No. You don't even know me. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And one lady, she was from Miami. She was she was all over me one day. And I was like, look, why are you fussing at me? I'm not the only official out here. Mm-hmm. You fussing at me about a call that I didn't even throw. Right. Right. So it, it's, it was hard. And sometimes you go home, you get frustrated, and you cry. But who are you going to cry to? Because you don't have nobody else to... to to talk about your experiences with, right. really, right. so, but <clears throat> hey, that's crazy. I ain't, I ain't know that. I ain't know that you had those experiences, or you had to go through that like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just going through the process of perfecting the craft and learning the journey of being a referee. What was the toughest? What was the? I'm gonna say, what was the toughest experience you had to go through? And what was like almost a breaking point for you? Because I know in a career we all have a breaking point where we want to be like, "Fuck this shit." I have two. I have two breaking points that I uh, in two thousand five. Well, in two thousand one, the NCAA started looking for female officials, mm-hmm. and because I had just had a baby, I wasn't in top, tip top shape. Mm-hmm. I was out of shape. I was overweight, and I wasn't getting any looks. Mm-hmm. So nobody was taking me serious. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I went to my first camp mm-hmm. in me, for the MEAC in 2001. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. 2002, nothing. Mm-hmm. 2003, nothing. 2004, nothing. 2005, I said, this is it. Yeah. If I don't get nothing here, I'm done. If you can't see my progress, I can't keep doing this song and dance. Right. I'm, I'm done. Right. And then Dan Evans, God bless his soul, he called me. He said, Sabrina, I want you to come to the camp. And I came. In 2007, I had my, no, I got picked up. Mm-hmm. And then I had my first on-field game 2008 with the MEAC. I had two games that weekend, and I was tired as a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened when the NCAA started looking for female officials. Mm-hmm. And I got picked up. So I was one of three women. We had two blacks and two whites. Mm-hmm. And then we had Anise Kennedy who broke the barrier because she was the first female NCAA official. And she was she was my mentor. And we officiated high school and Little League together. And I started officiating because I really wanted to officiate when I saw her officiating a Pop Warner game at um, Lauderdale Lakes Middle mm-hmm. School. It was a, um, a Little League game. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, that's a woman. Mm-hmm. And that's what promoted me wanting to do it. Gotcha. So when Jake said, okay, you know, let's officiate, I was like, sure, because I already saw a woman, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And it was Anise Kennedy. And then she got picked up in the MEAC in 2001. And she broke that barrier for all women. That's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. Shout out to her. Shout out mm-hmm. to her. What was the second experience? Um, I was doing, what do you, they call that, um, semi-pro. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the players, don't they don't respect the coaches. So they darn sure didn't respect the officials. Mm-hmm. But they respected me as a female. Mm-hmm. So they would give me the hardest time. And it was like this was a play on the sideline. The guy intercepted the ball. He stepped out of bounds. And I blew the whistle. And I went to the spot. And I stopped the clock. And it was like the, the crowd was silent. It was like nothing. And the coach yelled out. He was like, All right, I told you I want a motherfucking ass out here fucking up my motherfucking game. And I went to the middle. And I was... It, it was like I had been hit in my chest. Damn. And this man was black. Yeah. So I'm like, he put me out there like I was garbage. Right. 
I was straight garbage. And my and I, and I went to the to the middle of the field and my crew, they saw I had crocodile tears and I had never cried. Damn. I had never cried. Yeah. But that that night, he broke he broke me because it was like everybody eyes was on me. Right. And then two weeks later, he wants to apologize because guess what? The film showed he stepped out of, out of bounds. bounds. Damn. Yo, that's crazy. He wanted to apologize. He was like, I am so sorry. And it took all I had not to cuss that man out from A to Z. Yeah, I was just about to say, did you like take that with open arms? Or was you I, like... I, I just said, peace, coach. Like, that's woman that's woman to you, yeah. man. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I wasn't going to let my mouth mess with my money, yeah, even know. though it wasn't a whole lot of money. <laughs> But I wasn't going to let my mouth mess with my money. I, because you disrespected me, I wasn't going to disrespect you. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. I didn't know that. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. And that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. crazy. And and even with all that, like, you going through all those those trials and going through those tribulations and getting over that hump, like, you still, like, wanted to do, still be in this male dominant world like why like <clears throat> I guess for me because I'm thinking like when you when you out dominated by something like and you just been broken like for me more than two times I'm like man fuck it I ain't, I ain't doing it like but shoot you cussed me out <laughs> we, we was at Apollo Park and you and you were down deep and the little boy did a, a fair catch signal and you let him catch the ball and run a touchdown. I said, Prince, did you ain't see that? He was like, I don't know what that shit is. <laughs> and I was like, he can't do that. So I had to bring I had to bring the touchdown all the way back. Damn. Yeah. Hey, you listen, remember that? I tried to referee y'all. That shit ain't work for me, man. I would have been cussed out by her. I would have been cussed out by Josh. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I would try. I would try. It ain't my that ain't my thing. Um <laughs> that ain't my thing. Um so the reason why I keep going is because you ha- you ha- you have a lot of people that look up to you, even though they might not say that mm-hmm. that want a referee, mm-hmm. but if they don't see somebody that looks like them, yeah, 100%. out there breaking barriers, knocking down doors, they're not going to do it because they're going to be afraid to. Right. So I I couldn't just stop. Right. So the 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 getting the curse outs. The getting the disrespect, I didn't. I stopped taking it personal, and I just went out there and I ref my game, cause I tell them I, as a referee I've never won a game. Yeah. So I don't go out here. I'm fair and impartial. Yeah. So. I to, never to work like that. regardless of how you you try and treat me. Mm-hmm. I'm not here for you. I'm for these kids. Right. I'm here to my integrity. Mm-hmm. Because as an official, mm-hmm. Dr. Norman, he used to be over the um, SIAC, God bless his soul. He said something at a camp. He said, we are the guardians of the integrity mm-hmm. of the game right. when we officiate right. football. So we, we, we are held to the utmost integrity. So that in itself, I started taking time to have my uniforms pressed, making sure they were taken up because we had the big old baggy shirts. So I had started having my shirts tailored. So when I walked out there, I felt like I was Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah with my bands on, boom, boom, no. Make the calls, coaches start respecting you, and then they say something to, to you, and then you start saying stuff back to them. They be like, oh, you talk? Yes, I do. You talk. 
So then they be like, oh, she's sassy. Sure am. <laughs> sure am. Hey, so, yeah. Do they know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. And then they be talking to you and, and the coach be like, ah, he's, I've been doing this a long time. One coach, he, um, as a matter of fact, he's a coach for, um, um, Prairie View right now. Mm-hmm. He was talking, he said, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was at, um, um, Pine Bluff, I think. And he said, and I said, really, coach? I said, you look good. He's like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he may not remember. That was my first, um, Arkansas Pine Bluff game, I think it was. So then another coach at um, Alcorn on a Thursday night, he's, he talking, he talking, he talking. And I say, coach, you can say it, but you don't have to spray it. <laughs> so you break the ice like that with them. Yeah. But then they start seeing you around and then they start, okay, she can, she can officiate. She right. can officiate. So you start earning their respect. She knows she's doing right. right. So even if they cussing you out, right. but you still call them a good game. Right, right, right. So you're not letting that take away from what you have to do on the field. Right. So, yeah. Okay. I respect that. Mm-hmm. And then they start calling you by your name. It's like, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember, um, I remember when I was younger. I remember when I was younger and I, um, um, I remember when I was younger, they had wrote, you had an article and it was talking about your hat and your bun, like, what made you start doing that? Because I kept, I, get, I kept getting tired of taking off my ponytail. <laughs> so she used to, so she used to cut like a line in the hat, so her little bun would be poking out, and she started that like that was a trend, and like they did a whole article about it. So she like knowing what this little bun sitting on top of her hat. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I got tired of taking off my ponytail. <laughs> so I said, let me let me cut this hole in this hat. And I should have perfected the hat. Yeah. I should have. Because now, look. You keep doing it. NFL has a hat. That's crazy. Right. You should have trademarked that. I should have I should have trademarked it. Yeah. So, but yeah. Hey, I should have. That's crazy. Yeah. So, but they can, they can Google it. Yeah. And, yeah. So it ain't like I just did it. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. So um, let's take it back to you, uh, college. So you played sports, you played basketball, you played softball, you was the goat in softball in the city. Um, you did basketball, you did pretty much everything. So then you get to college. You were still playing ball in college? No. Okay. You went, what college did you go to? I went to Texas College first. Okay. So you went to Texas College so you're aka yes when did you decide what first when did you decide you wanted to be an aka and what made you want to be an aka because <laughs> i was 17 years old being really disrespectful toward the greeks because okay. i didn't understand the culture okay or the heritage or the sacrifices mm-hmm. so rhonda my older sister was a Delta. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend at the time was an Omega. Mm-hmm. So we hung out with them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know. I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. But I knew I didn't want to be a Delta. And then I had a cousin. She may not even remember this. She, she, she talked to me a little bit about being an AKA. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. So I started researching it. Little did they know. But then I had a lady, her name was Carolyn, um, 
They called her Bright Eyes mm-hmm. at Texas College. Mm-hmm. She told me if I played Delta Sigma Theta, she was going to put her foot so far up my damn throat, it's going to come out my ass. <laughs> I said, no, nah, I don't even want to be a, del- a Delta. Yeah. That's not me. I said, my sister does, uh-huh. not me. <laughs> no. Hey, that's crazy. So, but they didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's crazy. And then I, I got in trouble so much, I was on social probation, so I couldn't even pledge the first year I was eligible to pledge. That's crazy. So, because everybody always be like, being in, the, being in the sorority or fraternity is like a brotherhood or a sisterhood mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, what makes it a sisterhood, though? It's the, toge- the, the, it's the togetherness mm-hmm. that they promote and they teach you while you're online. So you build a bond with your line sisters, and then you build a bond with um, your big sisters, mm-hmm. some of them. And then... When you're working together on community projects or, you know, um, just, yeah, working together on community projects, going to meetings, and um, just doing things together, it builds the, the bond of sisterhood. Okay. So, Absolutely. yeah. And I just met this past weekend in San Francisco with one of my specials, and I didn't realize that we've been knowing each other for 36 years. And you know that? She- no, 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 I knew she was coming, but when she when, when she talked about it, I was like, dang, I've been knowing you that long, kitty. And she was like, yeah, 30 plus. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. And yeah, she's an AKA. That's what's up, man. They say, they say AKA is bougie. That's true. Not me. <laughs> I don't get a sorrow. <laughs> they can be bougie if they want to. They try to live in glass castles. I threw rocks. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> oh, damn. No. Now, I slang my hair when we did the steps. Yeah. Oh, dear, man. Yeah. All I did was pass the paper, the paper bag test, but this mouth yeah. was powerful. Oh, my God. And untamed. That's crazy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, if you got a little girl, like, say, for instance, Zion. Zion is her granddaughter. Zion wanted to be a ref. Like, what? What is the process that you would have her to go through? Like, how would you get get her started? Take her out there in that backyard and tell her how to do that side straddle, that side straddle, um, hop five yards, mm-hmm. turn, mm-hmm. get it back, turn, get it back, back pedal, sit, turn, get it back, rest. <laughs> so I would teach her all of the basics. Yeah. How to reckon? Because if you if you start on the line of scrimmage, because I think the line of scrimmage is the brain mm-hmm. of officials because you can't get nothing done if you can't get that snap off. Right. So I would teach her how to do the basics and how to recognize false starts, encroachments, um, offsides, and um, shifts, mm-hmm. motions. Teach her the basics so that when she goes out there, she already know it right. and have her work on it and have her work on her footwork, have her work on her mechanics. Have her work on um, how she runs, how she squares in, how she accordions out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot, but you don't realize. You be like, well, dang, do I have to? Yes, you do. And, it beca- and you make it second nature. So when it happens, you just do it. Mm-hmm. So I would work on her with that. So that when she does go out to like the Pop Warner, because that's what you have to start out with, the Little League. Mm-hmm. And she already have the fundamentals down. So I would teach her the fundamentals. So she 
sharing about it and everything. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll go to a football field, and I would teach her how to come off the line, how mm-hmm. to watch it, how to move with the ball, mm-hmm. how to back out. Because mm-hmm. as a line judge, you cannot, until that ball is thrown, you have to stay on that line. So you don't, you don't back to the back, you don't back to the front, you back straight out. So you keep your eye on the line of scrimmage, but you also have to keep your eye at when you can see, it's like a, it's like a funnel that goes out. Mm-hmm. So you got to see on this side of the line, this side of the line, and down the line. So you got a lot that you're looking at, and you got to be able to react. Yeah. See, like when I was when I had jumped into it, I didn't realize it was that much either. Because mm-hmm. like mm, me and Josh would do like a little league basketball game. He'd mm-hmm. be like, "You ain't see that." I'd be like, "No, because I ain't see that at all." Because mm-hmm. I'm so focused on actually watching the kids play mm-hmm. instead of like watching the actual mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Like I got distracted. But then when I realized, P, you're not here to just watch them play. You're right. here to referee. Like it is a lot. Mm-hmm. It is a lot. And if you miss them damn calls, if they five or six or mm-hmm. seven, whatever, the parents be mad. And you don't wanna get you don't wanna get cussed out. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy, but that's what's up. Um, so then let's take it back. Not take it back. So two thousand five, right? You lose your sister. Mm-hmm. So you lose your sister and then your sister got two two kids, Jamal and Jerome. As a as a sister or as a parent already, what 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 makes you say I'm gonna take on the responsibility of Jarrell and Jamal? Like, cause most parents like like, and I'm just thinking about other families. Most families are like, not all families just gonna be like, I'm gonna take on that responsibility. They'll be like, you know, I got my own kids or I got my own going on. Um, and yeah, in 2005, it wasn't hard because I was already there since birth. So it, it nothing changed. I just I became full time. Yeah. So it was I was already there helping out yeah. with them. Right. So yeah, I just became full time. Yeah. That's so crazy. yeah, nothing changed. Yeah. I, I was always there. Yeah. So yeah, I think about that just like. In general, like you think about other families and a lot of a lot of like, cause even uh, Jamai's mom, she be like, "You a good auntie, cause my sister, she'll be, uh, she she'll be like, my um my sister ain't trying to get Jamai. You you get Jamai all the time, and I'm like, well, I'm his auntie, so I don't get it. Like he only has those days or those times." Like, we don't get those memories back. Like, yeah. and I get it. You got your own kid. But why wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you be there? And, like, I feel like aunties get looked over a lot. And, like, grandparents, they get a lot of love. But I feel like a lot of aunties get looked over. Because, like, even, like, with Sunita and her like, they real close. But, like, it's not as much love as, like, older grandparents. They would tell you. But you got aunts that are, like, in their lives and like making sure they good too so i i give you kudos to that i give you your flowers for like doing that and like you know making sure they was good and, I, and i'm pretty sure you know when you were small it wasn't nothing for us to pack up in that little toyota to sell and go yeah everybody <laughs> not even everybody in that little toyota to sell may that be work yes with a cooler <laughs> full of capri songs we can only have one bro <laughs> It made you a better person. 
Listen, we can only have one Capri Sun. We at the park for about thirteen dollars. Hey, hey, listen, y'all get one Capri Sun, one Swiss roll, man, the whole time. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, but that shit was fun. Like growing up was crazy. Like we always was doing something. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday we got a barbecue, making mm -hmm. hot dogs and mm -hmm. stuff. Like we lit, so it was it was enjoyable. It was always memories, laughs, mm -hmm. fun. So I appreciate that definitely growing up because I couldn't imagine like like her kids are like my siblings really like they not like my cousins or like they literally like my brother and sister because that's how we grew up together like we all we did everything together. Like a hundred percent, yeah. Like I was like they babysitter and shit. Yes, you were. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like they babysitter, and at one point, like she was a probation officer, um, which inspired me to go to college to be a probation officer. I got my degree in criminal justice, but after all the like Black Lives Matter, Floyd George Floyd stuff happened, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that no more. So, how did you get into probation? My friend Pat, we were working at we were working at DCF together, and she said I'm about to go apply for such and such, and I was like, oh, put me application in. <laughs> right, and she got hired in Miami, and I got hired in Palm Beach. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god! <laughs> Don't think you missed it. That's what I wanted to do. No, my whole life. No, we was working in Lotta Hill. Okay. Yeah, with children and families. Yeah. Hey, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your most uh, memorable moments being a probation officer? Helping people out. Because yeah. cause sometimes, I mean, violations and putting them in jail wasn't always the answer. Mm -hmm. Understanding why they were doing what they were doing mm -hmm. and then trying to... Um, prevent that mm -hmm. giving them other means of coping skills or being a support system for them right so yeah so I, I have one guy i remember i probably can't say his name but his name was christopher and his girlfriend played um softball at patrick park mm -hmm. in boca mm -hmm. and he didn't know that i played out there mm -hmm. and he saw me one day and he was like hey how are you i was like how are you <laughs> i mean he just used to look forward to just seeing me out of the office yeah in in that atmosphere yeah something yeah and and his girlfriend couldn't stand it but she didn't understand he it, it made me human to him yeah yeah so and then he would he would talk to me about what was going on during the meetings and i would say hey well maybe you need to take a step back and then do this mm -hmm. or maybe you need to reevaluate this mm -hmm. and do this but that's what's up. Mm -hmm. I love that for you. Yeah. So, Even the playing fields for the black people. <laughs> hey, man. They, <laughs> they violate them quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hide the warrants. <laughs> all right, man. So, we going to wrap this up. <laughs> hey, listen. This is all day with this lady, man. <laughs> She be having me in tears, bro. <laughs> tears. <laughs> Ain't no filters over here, okay? None. <laughs> None. None. Hey, listen. I appreciate y'all listening, man. This is a segment of... You can Google me. Yeah, you can. You can definitely Google her. <laughs> she definitely on Google, man. <laughs> y'all go ahead and Google her. 
Oh, <laughs> see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, she, uh, you could definitely Google her. Um, uh, I mean, if you have any questions about refereeing, I mean, you got to find her Instagram. Would you want to give your Instagram handle? So if someone has questions, oh my God. if they DM you, you don't know how to read it. Look at What's the D? No, I don't. Oh, my I don't even know how to post on Instagram. <laughs> you know how to use Facebook? I don't get on Facebook. Oh. Okay. The Insta Messenger? Yeah, it's like Insta Messenger. That's, oh, what, okay. that's what DM is. Oh, my bad. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll help you. <laughs> I, I'll help you out. <laughs> but if y'all, if if any girls, women, anybody interested in, like, doing a referee, just leave a comment under this uh, podcast, and then we can, I can try to get you connected to her. And, and refereeing, you build so many good relationships. Yeah. Life, t- you lifelong friends. Yeah. Lifelong friends. Yeah. It becomes, unfortunately, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. And now we, because we have more females, it's now a sisterhood. That's what's up. So you have somebody that you can talk to, you can relate to. So it's it's women all over the world now. Mm-hmm. When before it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So if you if you just whatever city that you're in, just go to your local park. Start start with your local um, pop water leagues, mm-hmm. your local high school. Mm-hmm. Find out when the meetings are. Go to the meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, get a mentor, mm-hmm. somebody that you can bounce stuff off of. Um, give you a rule book. Mm-hmm. Talk to root. Talk about rules with. Mm-hmm. Go over mechanics. You can start in the backyard just by watching the, watching a game on sat on Saturday, watching a game on Sunday, mm-hmm. and see how the referees move. When I watch a football game, I don't watch it for the players. I watch it to see the referee right. and what they do in the plays right. to see how they handle it. Right. You know, if it's a close play on the sideline, if it's a low throwing ball in the middle of the field, right. you know, if it's a hole. They throw a flag and you you anticipate what the flag is because you know where the flag is thrown, what it could possibly be because you've mastered that skill. So if it's thrown at the line of scrimmage, you already know it's a line of scrimmage foul on the defense. Then it depends on where it comes from. See, because if I threw it on the defense, I threw it on the defensive side. If I threw it on the offense, I threw it on the offensive side. So you already know that it's going to be on the defense or the offense based on where my flag placement is on the line of scrimmage foul. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. and then when you start getting them, making them plays where it, where it goes to insta replay and insta replay don't overturn your call, you be out there saying yes. <laughs> I knew I had that shit right. I knew I had that shit right. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, listen, mm-hmm. that is if you interested, she put it out there. Start at your local park. Uh, also, again, if you have questions or more questions, you can also just comment on this podcast and. We can try to work something out where you can meet, you can communicate with her. Um, but I want to say thank y'all for listening. Keep listening to this season two of Phenomenal Black Women. Um, and I appreciate y'all, man. You got anything you want to say? Close it out. Peace. We appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Peace.